0: Brother Smith. Thank you, Pastor, and praise the Lord, everybody. What a sweet and wonderful presence of the Lord in this sanctuary this morning. I I cherish moments like this because... In this type of a setting, as we press our way toward the Lord, he always comes close to us. And uh, I feel his closeness in this house this morning. I'll be very honest with you. I came with my thoughts prepared and my mind focused in a particular direction. But as this meeting has progressed today, the vein of the Holy Ghost has uh, unctioned me differently than I came uh, planning to do. And I would be an absolute fool to try to go any other direction than what the Lord is wanting. He's in this house today, and he has come for a special purpose to every one of us. He wants to minister to our hearts and our lives. The singing, the worship has been wonderful. I believe anything can be added to it that would make it any better. Than what it has already been, and so if you would allow us, I will forego having Sister Smith come for uh, anything this morning, as far as a special song or anything of that nature. You may be seated. I I do want to just share a little testimony with you as I embark into the Word of the Lord this morning. I do want to thank Pastor Riggin again for the invitation to come to uh, this assembly and to be in Olathe. I have enjoyed my time here these last few days, the meetings in the sanctuary, the day yesterday, and then with great expectation today for what the Lord will do. This weekend has not concluded yet, and the Lord wants to do great and wonderful things in our lives. When I've stepped into meetings like this at different junctures of life, I promise you the Lord has met me in a special way. I came perhaps with particular weight upon my life burdened down with some situation but when I got into God's presence and he ministered to me as he did I left another way I left a better person I left his presence or I left the sanctuary with answers that I needed, and uh, with confidence that the Lord was working His will. I feel that in this house this morning. I said, I feel it in this house. I don't have all the answers within myself. I don't have all the answers to even all my questions in life. But I do know that Jesus is the answer. And it only takes a moment in his presence to change every situation. Praise God. This little testimony, which is really a big testimony, but uh, a good friend of mine, a minister friend of mine in the country of Ethiopia, his name is Brother Mulageta. I've known him for many years, and uh, when the uh, uh, false doctrine that was proliferating in the country of Ethiopia seemed to come to uh, a head several years ago, Brother Mullah Gata was one who, who stood for truth. And uh, as a result, of course, it was very costly for him, but he knew the Word of God to be right, and he stood upon the foundation of truth. I was in East Africa last fall in the months of September and October and had been with Brother Mulligata, he was building a new church facility and uh, uh, had had to start a work from scratch and build that work up to what it is today. And uh, sometime after I returned to the states, his 14-year-old daughter, whose name is Bethlehem, uh, one of six children it was time for her to register for the 11th grade and of course they lived in the countryside of ethiopia and she was going to have to go into the nearby city of hosanna to register for her 11th uh, grade classes she left home went to the city and uh, when nighttime came she did not show up at home well I guess you would have to understand their culture to uh, realize that it wasn't necessarily all that alarming that she did not get back that evening it's a country where that extended family you know uh, oftentimes uh, especially if you get tied up with uh, responsibilities, or it's not possible for you to get transportation, and and they walk most everywhere they go, or they get a uh, uh, a little taxi, which uh, they have to pay money to ride on, and uh, anyway, Bethlehem did not show up at home that evening, and they just thought that perhaps she had uh, not completed all of her registration requirements and so she was staying with friends or family uh, in the city and uh, the next day came and still they heard nothing from their daughter and uh, by the third day it was rather alarming and uh, they uh, immediately went into fasting and prayer uh, for her safety and for her protection and they went to the police, notified the police that their daughter had been gone since uh, uh, Monday and uh, they had heard nothing from her. They could not get in touch with her. Uh, none of their family members or friends in Hosanna knew anything about her whereabouts, and so, uh, so now they're in the throes of, uh, of uh, real, uh, of real possible uh, hardship for their daughter, and adversity, and their fasting, and their praying, in the fourth day still no word and the fifth day they're fasting and they're praying and still no word but on the sixth day they received a phone call and when the phone call came it came from an older man in a remote area of the country and he asked for Brother Mulligata, Brother Mulligata said, that's me. He said, do you have a daughter whose name is Bethlehem? And he said, yes. He said, well, I have her here with me. And then he related the story. This is what had happened when Bethlehem got to the city that first day. Uh... And of course, not knowing all the details of where she was going and who she was to see, uh, there were some individuals that picked up on her uh, questions or her innocency and her being so naive and, and asked her where she was going and uh, they said, well, come with us, we'll take you. And they did, they took her, they kidnapped her. The reason for her kidnapping, they intended to take her life and sell her organs uh, on the uh, black market for, of course, thousands of dollars. And uh, some of those uh, countries in different parts of the world, and I won't name the countries, but anyway, Uh, and so she was she was drugged she was uh, she was bound and uh, they would beat her every day they wanted information concerning her family I suppose they hoped even for further money by way of ransom what have you and uh, Bethlehem was uh, of course Frightened, But at the same time, she did not want to, to endanger her own family further. And so she would not give the phone number of her father. And they would beat her more. And severely, they would uh, uh, torture her. And yet, she would not give the information they were requesting. Finally, on this uh, fifth night, uh they told her then we are now going to uh take your life and uh they called for a woman who was part of all of this scenario called her in and said we want you to inject her and uh, this woman left the room to go get whatever she would need to uh, put in the syringe to inject bethlehem all i can tell you is there's a god that's bigger than man and as beaten down as this 14 year old girl was and as drugged as they had you know drugged her yet in that moment her senses became very clear Everyone had left the room. And in that split second, she saw an open door and she bolted through that door into the darkness, out into the forest. And as she ran for her life, the Lord ordained it that there would be this older man And another individual who was there and seeing her running so desperately uh, apprehended her and said, What is the problem? Where are you going? She said, I need help. She told him the story. He said, come with me. Of course, you say, how dangerous. Yes, but her life was already in such danger that she... Uh, and, and their culture being what it is, she, she trusted this older man who took her into his home, his family, and found out all the details, contacted the police. Brother Mooligata was contacted and uh, made his way, rented a vehicle, did not have a vehicle of his own, but got a rental, someone to take him to this remote area to retrieve his daughter and to take her home miraculously. The enemy intended to destroy her life and to cause such horrible hardship for this family That was desperately trying to do the work of God standing for truth but the Lord turned the scenario around and brought great victory out of what was intended by the enemy to be such a, a blow of defeat I just want to tell God's people in the house today we have a God that knows exactly what we have need of if we'll trust him if we'll seek his face does he always do things the way we want him to do it no pastor has already mentioned just a few moments ago it doesn't always happen the way i want it to happen but i trust god i trust god i trust him in the good times i trust him in the difficult times I trust Him when the sun is shining, and I trust Him when the rain is falling and the fog is so heavy, I can't see my way. I trust in God. And with that testimony today, I want to take you to the Word of the Lord. To the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. Stand with me and let's look at verse 16. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, who maketh a way through the sea and a path in mighty waters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, let's go to verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Now, it was not in any way trying to diminish the great power of God in former victories. But he was saying in verse number 19, Behold, I'll do a new thing. I'll make a way for my people in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A New Testament passage found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, Paul says, As it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you love him today? Do you really love him today? then you just got to understand that I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. He loves you today. He loves me today and because of his love for us he has prepared for us even things that are beyond our understanding that are beyond our limited ability to grasp at the moment i want to talk about him today i want to exalt the lord today i want to magnify this god that we're reading and talking about today god bless you you may be seated The wonderful book that we call the Bible is absolutely filled with one record of the miraculous after another. The Old Testament clearly reveals God's love for his people and is replete with glorious accounts of his wondrous and mighty acts. And I love to talk about them i love to go into the word of god and pull out one of those glorious accounts of victory and and walk through it and expound on it and and talk about it and and we're gonna do some of that today But I want you to know our God is not just a God of yesterday. He's not just a God of his people in Old Testament times or New Testament times. But our God is still alive and well today. He's my God. He cares about me. He loves me. And he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I ask or I think of him according to the power that worketh in me and in you amen amen in psalm 98 verse number one god's people are instructed to sing unto the lord a new song for he hath done marvelous things the psalmist said his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory amen oh i'm glad to know something about the right hand of god I'm glad to know something about his mighty power that doesn't change. That he's a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of course, we find further expression of God's greatness in the eighth Psalm as the sweet singer of Israel begins and concludes his utterance of praise with the words, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. In all the earth furthermore in the opening verse of this beloved 8th Psalm David speaks of God's glory being set above the heavens and in verse 3 he pauses to consider the heaven with its moon and stars referring to them as the work of God's fingers which he ordained In the fourth verse, the psalmist queries what is man that God is mindful of him? And who is the son of man that God would visit him? Oh, he's so big. He's so great. He's so lofty. He's so high. And I'm so low, but I want you to know that this great God that I'm talking about today cares enough about you and enough about me that he condescended to our lowest state. He roped himself in the flesh of humanity and came into this world to walk among us, and to live among us, and to lay down his life for us. In Psalm 89 verse number six, we're asked who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? And who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto him? I want to, to say truly no one, no one at all is as great as the Lord our god of course not only are we privileged to know that he alone is god but we're blessed even more so to know him as the christ the anointed one the messiah jesus by name oh i love that name I love to say the name of Jesus. I know there are people that shy away from it. Pastor, I've been in funerals where they talk about lift up his name but never use his name. Let us pray together. And they come to the end of the prayer and it's in his name. But they refuse to say his name. But I'm glad I know his name. And every time I say Jesus, something moves inside of me every time I say Jesus I feel his presence come nigh to where I'm at and to touch my life as I reach out to touch him oh I'm glad I know him Jesus by name and by means of this message on a Sunday morning I want to magnify him as the unlimited God The unlimited God the gods of the heathen spoken of in the 135th Psalm in verse number 15 we're told they're idols made of silver and gold the work of men's hands in verse 16 though they be called gods they have mouths that can't speak eyes that don't see They have ears that hear not, neither is there any breath in them. However, verse number 5 of the very same psalm speaks of Jehovah God with great contrast to man's crafted idols. As the psalmist declared, I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all God's whatever please the Lord that's what he did in heaven and the psalmist said in verse 6 whatever please him that's what he does in the earth that's what he does in the seas and that's what he does in the deep places oh hallelujah it ought to make you shout it ought to make you feel such great confidence today to know that even when life is against you and when life isn't going the way you really would like for it to go that You've got a God, and whatever pleases him, he takes care of it. He does it in the heavens, and he does it in the earth. He'll do it in Africa, and he'll do it in Olathe. He'll do it in someone else, and he'll do it in me. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, yeah, that's the unlimited God that I'm preaching about today. Psalm 115 and verse number three we're told our God is in the heavens in the 97th Psalm verse 9 we read for you Lord are exalted far above all gods therefore we praise the Lord not only as God but forevermore we ought to lift his name on high for he alone is almighty God. Not just God, there are many gods. I said there are many gods the world over. There are there are thousands and millions of gods, if you will, but the Bible declares that our God is exalted far above all gods. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turning. Turning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. The Lord himself declared in verse number 10, Ye are my witnesses, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Oh, what a, what a word of assurance to me and to you to know who this God is that we're talking about today. In verse 11, he said, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior Hallelujah! I'm his witness. I said I'm his witness. I can read about him in this book. And I thank God for every testimony of Old Testament people. I thank God for the testimonies of New Testament people. I thank God for the testimonies of people the world over. But there's just nothing like having a testimony of your own. A testimony that's your testimony of what God has done for you. And what God has brought. You through, ye are my witnesses, he said. And so, when some things arise and some problems come your way, just understand you're going to be a better witness when you get on the other side of that valley of triumph. That you might know him, that you might understand who he really is the God that's unlimited. God that's above all other gods Amen. furthermore from Isaiah chapter 42 in verse number 8 same prophecy of Isaiah we read I am the Lord that is my name and my glory will I not give to another neither my praise to graven images indeed it's no wonder that the psalmist wrote with such challenge and inspiration in the 150th psalm when he exclaimed in verse 1 praise ye the lord praise god in his sanctuary it's what we've been doing this morning praise him in the firmament of his power in verse 2 praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him upon the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him. Praise him upon loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high Sounding symbols, and then in finale, the psalmist declared, Let everything, I said, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. You know why? Because He's an unlimited God, because He's a God far above all other gods, He's a God, He's a God that's almighty. So we praise him, we praise him. We praise him. That's why today I'm extolling and magnifying him as the unlimited God. Don't put him in a box. Don't try to put him in some little confined setting. Don't try to, you know, crank the screws down to where you are limiting his power and, and his ability. Well, I know God can, but no, 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 no. Don't go there. Just understand that our God is unlimited. The only thing that limits him is our lack of faith. The book of Genesis provides a detailed account of Joseph's life. It's certainly not a secret to any of us that Joseph was the favored son of his father Jacob. From a young age, he was a dreamer. And by reading the scripture, it's apparent that the hand of God was upon him greatly. Nevertheless, Joseph was hated. By his brothers, we're talking about a man who the hand of God was upon him greatly. Yet he was hated by his own brothers, who threw him into a pit one day, and then sold him as a slave to Midianite merchants, who eventually took him down to Egypt, where he became the servant of Partiphar, who was over the royal prison. Although Joseph was elevated quickly there because God indeed was with Joseph, yet in that strange land, Joseph was taken advantage of. He was lied about. He was even cast into the prison where seemingly he was forgotten about for a number of years. Perhaps the young man wondered at times if anyone would ever discover his unfounded, unfortunate, and unfair plight. Life just doesn't always deal fairly with us. Things don't always go as they really should go according to our thinking. And so it was in the case of Joseph. Nevertheless, one day, as God and His all-wise providence would have it to be, Joseph interpreted a dream for the king's butler who was restored to his royal position within three days' time. And while it appeared, that finally there may be a ray of hope for Joseph to live in the outside world once again. Unfortunately, all too soon, the butler also forgot about Joseph. So he was left in the prison still for another two years. Yet since the unlimited God that I'm preaching about this morning, is so omniscient, knows everything. There are no secrets kept from him. When I look at a scenario, I can see this point and that point and some other point, but unless God gives me divine insight, there'll be some things about that scenario I don't humanly see. But not so with God. He knows every detail. And because of his omniscience, he was fully aware of every detail concerning Joseph's life. He knew all about his rejection, his loneliness, his prolonged and bitter plight. And to think never once was Joseph ever forgotten about by this unlimited God. As a matter of fact, in four separate instances of Genesis chapter 39, we're emphatically told the Lord was with Joseph. Now, he's hated by his brothers. He's thrown into a pit, but the Lord was with Joseph he's taken advantage of down in egypt he's lied about by potiphar's wife but the lord was with joseph He's cast into a prison. He's forgotten about in the prison house, but the Lord was with Joseph. I'm just telling you, just like I'm telling myself, there may be times it seems like everything's going the wrong direction, but you gotta understand, we've got an unlimited God that knows every detail of our lives and he never ever forgets his own. Furthermore, according to God's timing, Joseph was brought out of the prison to interpret a dream for the king of Egypt, and beginning at the 38th verse of Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is, and pharaoh said unto joseph verse 39 genesis 41 for as much as god has showed thee all of this look at verse 40 thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne will i be greater than thou Verse 41, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took the ring from his own hand, and he put it upon Joseph's hand. That was a royal signet. And he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and he put a gold chain about his neck, and he made Joseph ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee and pharaoh made joseph ruler over all the land of egypt but wait a minute yesterday he was a prisoner last week he was forgotten about in his past his brothers hated him and they sold him as a slave and went home and lied to their father and said he's been devoured by a wild beast but you gotta understand the lord was with joseph and now he's on a throne and people are bowing their knee in front of him and the pharaoh is saying there's no one in all the land as wise and as discreet as joseph is but yesterday it wasn't like that That's why we better not get too hung up on today. That's why we better not get caught in the trap of life and feel like because where we're at right now is where we're always going to be. I refuse to accept that. I'm a child of God. I've got an unlimited God that knows my name, that knows my circumstances, that knows just what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And he's working everything out according to what pleases him. Hallelujah. And so I want to declare to one and all this morning, none other than the unlimited God elevated Joseph from a prison house of despair to the throne in Egypt where he was greatly esteemed. And we could talk about Joseph's descendants for a while. I won't take the time to do it. But I do want to say absolutely no one at all is like unto the Lord our God and I want to magnify him over and over again this unlimited God is faithfully committed to his people in Old Testament times not only did he bring them through repeated generations of adversity to give them the very land that he promised to their forefathers centuries centuries earlier, earlier, but he was with them on into the future. What need I say concerning the victory of God's people as Jericho fell into their hands? No one but... The unlimited God of heaven and earth that I'm preaching about right now could have enabled the Israelites to capture that ancient city in such unusual and unprecedented manners. Archaeologists tell us that Jericho was surrounded by not one wall, but by two walls an outer wall that was nearly seven feet thick and an inner wall that was wide enough for houses to be built into it and on top of it. To the natural mind, I'm certain the conquest of Jericho seemed to be completely hopeless. However, as the children of God obeyed God's direct command to march around the city walls for seven days. And as the priests blew on ram's horns and trumpets, and then whenever all the people shouted with a great shout, then suddenly those fortress walls Of the city previously thought to be impenetrable simply began to fall apart and crumbled to the ground as if shaken by a major earthquake. Nevertheless, what I really want us to understand with great clarity this morning is this. What actually happened at Jericho that day was all because of the divine intervention of the unlimited God that I'm preaching about. His intervention on behalf of his people and as a result, those city walls came tumbling down without the aid of bombs, without the aid of drone aircraft, without any Navy SEALs or any other means of human assistance if you will for that matter because you see we've got a God that speaks and the earth trembles. We've got a God that utters his voice and the heathen flee. Our God is unlimited. Our God is in the heavens, but our God is also in the earth. Have you ever wondered how it was possible for Gideon as one man to defeat the entire Midianite army? No small army, it was an army made up of 135,000 troops. And how did Gideon ever bring such victory to God's people with the mere assistance of 300 men? The ratio was rather staggering. That's 300 men to 135,000 soldiers. Now, breaking that down into simplest terms, the ratio was one man to 450 soldiers. That's quite a ratio, one to 450. And we're talking about one man with a lamp and a pitcher to 450 armed troops that's quite a ratio okay however I want to tell you just exactly how it happened if we truly believe the biblical principle that says not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts, that's Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, then if we believe that, and I don't say that pessimistically, I'm just saying if you truly believe that, then you've got to realize that size of whatever the obstacle may be is of no significance at all. One man of 450 soldiers. But wait a minute, it's not by might. And it's not by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. So then what size? And what's insignificant? when it comes to this unlimited God that I'm preaching about and magnifying in the house today furthermore if indeed we can grasp the principle of God's inspired word where the psalmist said some trust in horses and some in chariots but we will remember the name of the Lord our God then I have to say that our own limitations and our own human insignificance doesn't really matter at all. I'm just a man, but wait a minute. I'm God's man. I may be just human flesh, but I've got the Holy Ghost inside of me. And so I'm not trusting in horses and I'm not trusting in chariots, but I'm remembering the name of my God who is an unlimited God hallelujah 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 and to be most explicit uh, with everyone in the house this morning uh, none other than the unlimited God uh, could have possibly delivered the Midianites uh, into the hand of Gideon hallelujah in like manner It was the same unlimited God who caused the footsteps of four leprous men to sound like an approaching army in the ears of Syrian soldiers who were amassed near Samaria simply waiting waiting for the right opportunity to completely take the wall city. Samaria had been totally cut off from receiving necessary supplies and daily provision. And as a result, famine and devastation was virtually upon everyone inside the city walls from the least to the greatest. So deplorable were everyday living conditions in Samaria until people were existing, the Bible tells us, on Dovestone. And mothers were actually eating the flesh of their own children's bodies. It was a horrible, horrible situation inside those city walls of samaria by all appearance victory was absolutely sure for the king of syria however another aspect was involved in the entire scenario that should never be underestimated something that i call the god fact. And truthfully, involvement by the unlimited God should never be taken for granted by anyone, especially by those of us who believe this book. Hallelujah. In the midst of unbelievable odds, the prophet Elisha had boldly declared that God would bring deliverance to his people. The problem, however, was this. The answer to Samaria's dilemma didn't come fast enough for Elisha's, uh, for, for, uh, for Elisha's life to be spared, so to speak, as far as the king was concerned. In fact, Elisha's life was on the line Furthermore, a messenger had been dispatched from the king to take off Elisha's head he's been telling us uh, that deliverance is coming he's been telling us everything's going to be alright and look at us things are growing worse Uh, day by day we're going behind uh, and things are becoming more adverse inside the city uh, today than they were yesterday and so uh, the king of Israel wasn't very happy with this prophet of God nevertheless Elisha received Further revelation from God concerning the matter of divine deliverance, and he boldly told the king's servant, Here ye the word of the Lord. In fact, go to 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. And now it's no longer next month. The prophet is no longer saying probably by next week. He's no longer saying perhaps day after tomorrow. But he said about this time tomorrow. In other words, within 24 hours, God is going to completely reverse the deplorable conditions within the city of Samaria. In fact, provisions will be plentiful, and the price of food will be reasonable for all. And that's when we're introduced to four starving, and leftless men in this Bible account. They decided to To leave the city gate, they were hungry. They were starving to death. They were outside the city because they were unclean. They were outcasts. They couldn't go in the city if they wanted to, but if they could have. It would have done them no good. There was no food in the city for them to eat. People were dying like flies. And so God put it in their hearts to just, why don't we go down to the Syrian camp and see if they won't take pity on us, give us something to eat to spare our lives. We got nothing to lose. If, if they don't give us anything to eat, we're going to die here anyway. And if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. And so why, why don't we just go down to the Syrian army camp? And so they decided to leave the city gate and hobble down to that army camp in hopes of receiving something that would sustain them. Can you imagine Four feeble lepers whose bodies were emaciated. I don't know how much you know about leprosy, but traveling the world as I have and do, I've seen a lot of leprosy in different parts of the world. It's, it's a horrible sight. You see people who uh, are missing fingers on swollen hands. You see people whose faces are disfigured because their nose has been eaten away or or you know other body parts have disappeared because of the ravishing disease of leprosy and uh, i've seen them hobbling on sticks because they had nothing but stumps on the bottom of their legs their their toes were missing their feet were being eaten away and pus was oozing out of those stubs at the bottom of their legs and they hobble along just trying to get around and can you imagine four Emaciated men are now hobbling down toward the Syrian army camp. Nevertheless, as they shuffled along and as they struggled toward that Syrian army camp, the unlimited God that I'm preaching about today amplified the sound of their footsteps to such a high decibel level until the entire Syrian army immediately went into a state of panic we're talking about a massive army we're talking about a host that could have taken the city at will but they were just waiting for it to surrender but now in the middle of the night because God puts it in the heart and the mind of four lepers to go toward that Syrian camp. Now, it was before the days of and loudspeakers, but it wasn't before the day of an unlimited God. And I want you to know it was like volume up in the syrian army camp until those soldiers went into a state of panic they didn't have time to assess the situation they didn't have time to dress they didn't have time to get their weapons they didn't have time to hitch the horses or the chariots they just got up and fled for their lives i'm telling you how it happened it was the intervention of an unlimited god don't you ever think he doesn't know where you're at don't don't you think for a moment uh, that you're in some corner forgotten about uh, you got a God that's bigger than you are and bigger than your adversaries uh, and bigger than your complications uh, you got a God that's on the throne uh, and he's not only in heaven uh, but he's at work in your world Amen. hallelujah hallelujah actually the unlimited God orchestrated Several things at once in this particular setting. First of all, he delivered his people out of the hand of an overpowering army. Secondly, this unlimited God used four broken men in their state of weakness to confound the mighty. He successfully ended a deadly blockade upon the whole city of Samaria. He miraculously spared the inhabitants inside those city walls from complete starvation. And furthermore, to think, the unlimited God provided an abundance of food for the Israelites from the very people who intended to utterly destroy them. Oh, I'm just telling. God knows how to turn tables he knows how to turn everything around and it doesn't take him any time to do it when he says enough is enough I'm preaching about the unlimited God through words of prophet Isaiah that we read from at the outset of the message today our God told his people in Old Testament times I'm going to do a brand new thing that's far beyond your expectation in fact he said the miracles of the past will seem as nothing in comparison to what I'm going to do now however I want to say his great power certainly isn't limited to the testimonies and the records of Old Testament times. Rather, the New Testament is also filled with exciting stories of the miraculous. In fact, the unlimited God that I'm preaching about today actually robed himself in a cloak of human flesh in order to redeem fallen man. And the virgin birth in and of itself is infallible proof to his omnipotent power. Furthermore, the entire earthly ministry of Jesus Christ is a vivid display and witness of the greatness of this unlimited God. He stood one day at a tomb in Bethany. He simply lifted his voice and cried, Lazarus, come forth! And a dead man came bounding out of that grave. And Jesus said, "Loose him and let him go." To Martha, it was an impossible scenario. He's been dead now four days. By now, he stinketh. But you know, to the unlimited God, all things. Are possible. Even so, it happened on another occasion that Jesus fed a hungry multitude made up of literally thousands of people, and he did so with a lad's meager lunch of five small loaves and two fish. In fact, more food was left over after the meal had been eaten than the lad provided to start with. That's because Jesus Christ is indeed the unlimited God. When awakened from sleep by frightened disciples who were tempest-tossed as they attempted to cross the Sea of Galilee, Jesus simply arose, spoke to the wind and the waves, and the Bible tells us he conquered a raging storm. I've been caught in a few such storms of life and it seemed like I was about to perish. But you know, the unlimited God of New Testament times is still the unlimited God of my time. And he just Speaks to the wind and the waves at his will. I sure wish he'd do it. I sure wish he'd do it sooner than he does sometimes. But it's the trying of our faith that worketh patience. And the Bible says, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. And so... He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing he's got my life in the palm of his hand if his hands big enough to hold the whole world in it it's certainly big enough to hold David Smith in the palm of his hand his hand is certainly big enough to carry you when you're going through your time of tribulation and distress and problems and you can't see in front of you and you don't know really what What's going on and why has this happened anyway you just got to put it in God's hands and understand he's unlimited and he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think of him furthermore the unlimited God brought deliverance to a demon-possessed man whose life was totally out of control before Jesus showed up in Gadara's Cemetery that day. Such an odd place for this unlimited God to work a miracle. But let me tell you something. The only thing I know that limits him is a lack of faith, it's unbelief. I want to reach to him. The glorious accounts of his unlimited power go on and on. It's an undeniable fact that Jesus indeed was crucified. However, the greater truth of the matter is this. Death didn't stop him. The grave couldn't keep him. And nothing in all the world, nothing in all the world was capable then or now to destroy the power of, of the unlimited God. Therefore, three days after his crucifixion, Jesus arose from the dead, and he walked out of the tomb. Forty days thereafter, while meeting with 500 followers on the Mount of Olives, Jesus ascended into the heavens, promising that one day he'd return for those who await his second coming and I'm waiting and I'm looking and I'm expecting it hasn't happened yet but it may happen today and if it doesn't happen today it may happen tomorrow one thing I know it's going to happen because my God is a keeper of his word and he said if I go away I'll also come again oh I'm looking for that moment of his second coming. What transpired next is further witness to the phenomenal power of our unlimited God. For as we read the second chapter of the book of Acts, we're told in verse 1 when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared under them loven tongues like as a fire and it set up on each of them and they were all Filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, but you know what I'm really Wanting to tell everyone in the house this Sunday morning Is that the miraculous power of our unlimited God? isn't relegated to only to the New Testament either. This book is divided into an Old and a New Testament. Our God isn't limited to the old and he's not limited to the new for that matter either. But he's here right now at this very moment on a Sunday in Olathe, Kansas. I've come to tell you that our God is present. His mighty power is available to every one of us that are in the house today. He said in John 4, 14 and verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Can we ask him for anything that's bigger than he is? No, no, no. He's an unlimited God. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, Jesus himself said, These signs shall follow them that believe. He said, In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover I'm telling somebody in the house today he's still unlimited he's still unlimited if he could turn up the volume on the footsteps of four lepers he knows just what to do in your circumstance he knows just what to do for you and he knows what to do for me because he is an unlimited God and I believe him I said, I believe him. I believe his word. I've heard it all of my life. I believe it today. I believe it right now. The world may be sitting on top of me. I may be on my back or on my face on the ground, but I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. He's an unlimited God. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7 Jesus said, Ask, ask, and ye shall receive. He said, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Troubles me that people cheat the with things that of God to such a trivial status today. Blab it and grab it. No, no, no. I believe. I believe. I believe when life's going good, and, and I still believe when life is going against me. Because my God is unlimited, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus he'll do it he'll do it he'll do it I was in a meeting pastor I guess it must have been about close to three years ago hundreds of people were gathered there and power of God was present among the people the preacher had finished delivering a message and I believe there always ought to be a proper response to the ministry of the word I don't believe that we ever ought to be guilty of hearing the word and then not giving a response so I was responding To the Word of the Lord. And in that place of prayer, as things started settling down and we were getting ready to move into the next service, a man walked over to me, a man that I did not even know. I couldn't tell you his name then. I know it now, but I I did not know his name, didn't know anything about him. didn't know really where he was from, no particulars. He walked over to me and he said, I have a word from God for you. And I quickly said, well, say on, brother. And I said it with with deep feeling in my heart. If you've got a word from God for me, tell me what it is. Say on, brother. And he lifted a hand and said, thus saith the Lord. Because you have blessed me, I am going to bless you. That was so simple. It was so simplistic. It just, but that's what the Lord said. I, I thought everything was going great. I thought everything was just, you know, wonderful as it was. But looking into the not too distant future, the God who knows the end from the beginning saw, saw a storm brewing that I didn't know anything about. And before I ever got into it, he just wanted me to know because you've blessed me, I'm going to bless you. Can't tell you how many times since then I've thought about that word from the Lord. The unlimited God he didn't give me all the answers he didn't show me all the details man he could have turned that storm out to sea and sent it away but he simply assured me because you've blessed me I'm going to bless somebody in this house today i just want you to understand there's no one like this god there's none above him there's none greater than he jesus christ is the unlimited god he heals he heals if you need a healing today he heals he delivers he sets free He saves, he keeps, he satisfies. Oh, I could go on and on and on today. I'm reminded of the words of Jacob the patriarch. Back in Old Testament days, Joseph, of course, supposedly had been devoured by a wild beast. He was no more, as far as Jacob knew. And now Simeon is held down in Egypt. And now you want to take my Benjamin away also. And Jacob said to his sons, all of these things are against me. They're against me. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there more than once. (laughs) I've been there at times when my head was spinning. All these things were against him, so Jacob thought. He couldn't see that just beyond that moment, God was going to turn the light on. And the boy that he thought was no more was going to be in his arms, kissing his neck. (laughs) He was going to be reunited with Simeon. And everything was going to be all right with Benjamin. Just telling you some things aren't always like they appear to be, my friend. Not when you've got an unlimited God that knows exactly what he's doing. One more, and I'll close. Mary, Mary, out of whom the seven devils were cast, Mary Magdalene became an ardent follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Then one day, soldiers took him and led him away to a judgment hall. Then he was crucified, and His body was taken, placed in a tomb, in a garden. Mary said, I'll go and I'll anoint his body. She went to the tomb and when she got there, the stone was rolled away. The body of Jesus was missing, was not there. Her head was spinning. I mean, not only was she already distressed because they crucified her Lord but now she wanted to just simply anoint his body and his body has been taken away stumbling around in that garden in that burial place wondering what will I do next how could these things possibly happen her world had crumbled And fallen apart and it wasn't just crumbled from a few days ago but it just keeps on crumbling and so finally she sees a man that she presumes to be the gardener there in that burial place and she said to him could you just tell me where you laid him just tell me so I could at least go and anoint his body. And he said, Mary. And she said, (laughs) Rabboni. And a world that was in shambles just a moment before, all at once there was a ray of hope. There was light that came smashing into her life because he's not dead he's alive he's alive it's him it's the master i thought he was gone i thought he was in a grave i thought it was over i thought my world was ended but he's alive he's alive and she made her way back to tell the disciples and others and i've come to tell somebody this morning your world isn't over it may seem to be in shambles but your life isn't finished god's on the throne He's an unlimited God. He's got it all in control, and he knows just what to do. Because as the prophet of old said, he's the one that makes a way through the sea and a path in mighty waters. I open this altar at the close of a Sunday meeting. I just feel like somebody Has gotten an answer you need today your faith is bolstered to reach out and get a hold of the promise that God has given to you don't turn it loose the world didn't give it to you don't let the world take it away from you God's the one that gave you the promise God's the one that's on the throne God's the one that's bigger than your circumstances and bigger than all your problems and bigger than all your troubles just bring it to him just bring it to him just empty it out before him and let him know you're giving it all to him today in a Pentecostal church in the place of his presence you're gonna let the unlimited God do in your life what pleases him Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's pray all over this house. Let's talk to him. Let's give a proper response to him today. He's talking to hearts. He's speaking to lies. He's reaching beyond the obstacles of the moment. If you make room for him, it's going to be a better day. It's going to be a better day when you walk out of the doors today because of the unlimited